Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Monday. Uh, the dangers of paracetamol underreported, apparently, so let's report them up today. Uh, the Coro catch-up, how did that work out for Marcus? And bottled water is uh, a talking point again. But before any of that, uh, the G7, the North Korea summit... The Trump. And for all the comments that Donald Trump is unpredictable, everything he has done has actually been completely predictable as he fulfills his election pledges. I'm only concerned as to whether they will work or not. And in that regard, actually, I am undecided. And I guess we will just have to wait and see. But it's fair to say he's got some enemies now in Canada, in France, maybe in Germany as well. And some have said his tough line, particularly towards Canada over the weekend while withdrawing his signature from the G7's communique, is in fact a signal towards the upcoming North Korean summit tomorrow that this president is a tough talker. Now, that may have been Donald Trump's intention, but that's not the way I see it. The Koreans will realise now that anything signed by Trump is not worth the paper it's written on. He did it over the weekend. He signed a communique, he withdrew that signature after he left, and he withdrew it using Twitter. And with the president also travelling all the way to Asia, 20 hours, to meet with Kim, it also suggests that the North Korean is actually in the driving seat. So the chances of a denuclearization of the peninsula, for me, seem no closer than they were at the beginning of the year. But... I hope to be pleasantly surprised. Of course, uh, somebody who seems to continue to be pleasantly surprised by the things Trump does says is uh, is Leighton Smith. The insights that uh, that have come out of this, uh, the insight into Trump, the insight into the way that things work, is more revealing than anything I've seen before. Now, I don't know about you. You uh, you could well be different to me, but my, my feeling is, um, and I've made it known of recent times, for what it's worth is that I don't like the way that things are shaped, have shaped up. I don't like the way, the way that things are structured. The free trade agreements that we've been, uh, that we've been uh, chasing down uh, on a multinational basis, I don't like them. Why? Because we're a tiny little country and we will, I don't care what they say at the moment, we'll get, we'll get um, tossed around like a cork on a notion when it's appropriate to others, when it suits them. Trump does not take any BS he stands up for the country, and those who think he's just, uh, um, you know, grandstanding and um, and showing off and what have you, could not have it more wrong. I've I've also been intrigued over a period of time to um, to well not dig in it's the wrong term, but to become more aware of his background when it comes to um, political comment in the past. It's been all over the shop, but the interest has been there. It's not like he's the fresher that a lot of people tried to uh, tried to uh, to paint him as. When he first uh, when he first appeared on the scene, he said what he was going to do, and he did it. And I'm talking about when he when he decided to run, made the announcement, said he'd win, said how he'd win and why he'd win, and he did it. It's really quite extraordinary. Now you can think he's a temperamental old fool or a temperamental idiot or a temperamental anything you want to call him. Bottom line is that almost every indicator in the American economy at this point of time is pointing upwards. It is, as um, has been said over the weekend, it is now a Trump economy. 
A lot of people, some people are still trying to say, well, it's Obama's leftovers. Nothing of the sort. He was a, he was a miserable failure economically. Yeah, I guess the key there is at this point of time, uh, Obama got eight years to not achieve anything. Let's see uh, how it all adds up for Trump after eight. Oh, my God. He's not gonna, is he going to be there for eight? I just said that. Uh, let's talk about uh, paracetamol now. Uh, which I always find it difficult to spell. Get too many E's in there, uh, and the A's in the wrong places. Why can't we just call it Panadol? I know it's not the only one, but you, you know everybody knows what you mean. Is paracetamol pointless? Yes, it is. In fact, uh, if you look at all the intentional poisons, or what most people know as overdoses that present to hospital, it represents one in five of all presentations throughout New Zealand, uh, and even scarier. Uh, of those presentations, uh, over 50% of them are in an age group under the age of 19. Well, how much do you have to take to overdose on paracetamol? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's one of those scary things. Uh, it's actually not very much. Um, more than sort of 10 grams in a single dose, so that's uh, between 500 milligrams. So it only takes uh, 10 grams to actually start to poison the liver, which is why we want all the packaging to remain nice and simple and small as well. So when people take it, because there are people who say it definitely relieves their pain, if that's what they're feeling, is that just totally placebo? No, it's, it's very confusing how it may work as a, a pain reliever, and there's, there's a lot of debate around it. What, what, what people get confused about is the difference sometimes between treating chronic pain, where there is now some reasonable evidence that it doesn't make much difference. So once you've got this long-acting pain that you've had, for a long time, day after day. It may not be so effective there, but certainly if you've got acute pain, like spraining an ankle or uh, you know hurting your knee, something like that, in that initial phase, it can be quite uh, effective. You know, sore throats, that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and those two need to be separated out. Okay, um, it's funny, isn't it? It's people have their preferences. I'm, a, I'm an ibuprofen guy. Uh, that seems to work for me. Domestic manager, she's a paracetamol lady. Uh, so she seems so, so ha to her although probably tomorrow we'll be doing an interview about how ibuprofen doesn't work either uh, the Koro Ketchup did it work for Marcus? The Koro Ketchup um, Ben Price um, who plays Mark Tilsley did a very good job last night of doing the ketchup but how can you put 18 months into 2 hours there's lots of pieces missing which viewers will have to guess as to what's happened in between. So this was specifically for the New Zealand audience, was it? Yes, yes, it was. Um, yeah, lo- lots of people, old um, actors appeared out of the blue. Um, they made a comeback. Lots of new faces, which weren't actually fitted in very well. So I think viewers would just have to put the pieces like a jigsaw back together and try and make a... But I think the future viewing of Coronation Street will have to be kept to a late time, half past nine to half past ten, because the content is um, leaves a lot to be desired. So was it difficult for you to watch because you didn't know who some of the characters were? 
No, no, no. I managed to use my imagination to fit it all in, but okay. you know, they've all they've all married different people. They've all got new relationships, and babies are popping up all over the place. Um, you don't know who the fathers are, okay. but you don't so, know who the so, mothers so, are. So, Barbara, it was confusing. Very confusing. Um, not confusing. Very, very distorted. Okay. Um, so will yeah, you keep watching so, it in the afternoon to try and catch up and understand a bit more? No, no, I don't spend my afternoons watching TV. She said that like that's a bad thing. That's the, it's the best thing in the world, watching TV in the afternoon, drinking bourbon and melting cheese on things. Next she'll be saying she's not drinking bourbon or melting cheese on things in the afternoon either. Jeez, Barbara, I don't know if I'm a fan, to be honest. Uh, we're going to finish up with uh, Kate Hawksby talking about... Uh, bottled water, sparkling water, tap water. Taps become uncool. Why? I don't know why. When I was growing up, it was the only option. Yet these days, our kids will often say at the gas station or supermarket, oh, can I have a pump? What's the point? We have water at home. But that's not the point. Drinking it out of a sipper bottle is cooler somehow. It's easier, they'll argue. How is it easier? Because you didn't have to turn the tap on yourself. The problem with all this bottled water is it is, of course, a huge market. We send hundreds of millions of litres of it offshore every day. So no wonder companies are cashing in with pretty pictures of Southern Alps to make it look like if you drink their water, you're virtually drinking direct from an icy cold Alpine spring. They're leveraging off a pure and natural New Zealand story that simply isn't true. But now that the international perception's out there, we have companies from all over the world setting up shop here to bottle our water, and if a generic shot of icy peaks helps, then so be it. The big trend, of course, is alkaline water. Consumer New Zealand has now looked into this as part of its investigation into enhanced water products. It says there is no evidence that it delivers on the health claims promised. In fact, it made the point that most people's water supply in New Zealand from the tap is perfectly fine and you're better off spending your money on fruit and veggies. I do like bubbles. I've got to say, um, I love it when, you know, sometimes the cafe... They, they have the water tap and then they've got a bubbly water tap as well and you can have as much bubbly water as you like. That's, and I think to myself, that's human progress right there. This is, that's, evo- that's evolution at its peak. It doesn't get any better than this, bubbly water from a tap. I am Glenn ZB, dare to dream. That has been News Doors ZB. We'll see you back here again tomorrow.